Okay, God loves you, despite your ability to throw sharp things. Good morning. It's good to see you. Um, we're going to talk about Jesus, the Bible, and the Chiefs, maybe. Okay, I just met another Chiefs fan. That's always a good day. Sorry, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Okay, here we go. My name is Jody. Um, can we just give a round of applause for the people who watch our children during this time? Can we just, can we just, if you have ever served, if you have ever served in the kids' ministry, can you just stand up for a second? Uh, you just did, Macy. Just stand up. If you ever have watched babies or kids, can we, thank you. Can we just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We appreciate it. It's helpful on so many levels, and it's not easy, okay? Um, so, we have been walking through Timothy, and we're going to keep walking through Timothy, um, and here's where we've been. So if this is your first time at Two Rivers, welcome. Jason, is, this is, come back next week and hear from the actual pastor, okay? But this will be good, and <laughs> this is where we've been. We've been at a greeting. Timothy, Paul is Timothy's mentor. So this is a letter from a man to someone he's discipled, and so he is writing to someone who he's trying to give some advice to. So that, that you've, we've heard from Paul about, hey, stay the course. There's some hard stuff going on. People are teaching some stuff that's a little shady. Here's how I think you should handle it. Timothy's a little bit timid, and we can gather from what we learned about him in the scriptures. And so he's just trying to encourage him. She's like, step up. You can do this. This is for you for such a time as this. Um, Paul's testimony. And then we're here. We are starting at number four. Um, verse, chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, and then we're going to go through chapter 2, verses 7. That's what we're doing here today. Um, so we're just going to read it, and then we're going to enjoy it, and maybe be changed by it. So here we go. The word of the Lord. Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. May they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Cling to your faith in Christ. Keep your conscience clear, for some people have deliberately violated their consciences. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Hymenius and Alexander are two examples. I threw them out and handed them over to Satan so they might, not, they might learn to not blaspheme God. Okay? I urge you then to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all those who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is one God, one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. I have been chosen as a preacher and apostle to teach the Gentiles this message about faith and truth. I'm not exaggerating, just telling the truth. Scene, or the word of the Lord. No Catholics here today. There was more Catholics at the first service. Thanks be to God. Oh, yeah, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I, I grew up Catholic and I love it. Um, so, we, okay. We are going to talk about a few things that are going to be our plumb line through this passage. So down is forward, down is forward. Got it. And these are, these are some phrases from that passage that we just read that are going to be our plumb line through our, our time together this morning. So the prophetic words spoken about you earlier, Timothy, speaking to Timothy, 
Um, and may those prophetic words help Timothy fight well in the Lord's battles that he's facing and help him cling to his faith. Um, Paul is urging him then to pray for all people because God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. That is where we're going. The reality is we are teaching through the entirety of scripture and because of that we need to bounce back for a hot second and deal with the Satan comment, okay? That's not the point of our talk today, but we can't just, I mean, that's kind of intense. So we are going to address that right now, okay? So this is, if I'll be just totally honest, I have used this passage and I'm referring to um, verse 20 where Paul says I, about two um, uh, men, I threw them out and handed them over to Satan so they might learn not to blaspheme. That is intense. And I'll be honest, I have used that scripture as an excuse. I've put other people's names in there, okay? I'll just be honest. And like, hey, Paul did it. Paul did it. Hey, I'll just, you know what? I'm just praying for them. Yep, and I'm turning them over to Satan. La, da, 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 da. And the reality is we don't get to do that. That is not actually what it means, and my eight wing gets a little too excited about verses like that, so I have to dial it down and look at the context. What in the world is Paul talking about? Well, we're going to do something that's very valuable. We're going to let Scripture interpret Scripture for us, okay? So we're going to let Scripture interpret Scripture, and so are there other places that you can think of where Satan is, uh, there's a dialogue with Satan? And there are. There's, there's, they we're going to look at two today. Um, one of them is in the book of Job. Okay, and the book of Job opens with this delightful interaction between Satan and some other heavenly beings and God. Um, and then it, it plays out over the course of the rest of the book. But we'll just do a quick overview. God, have you noticed Job? He fears me and stays away from evil. And by evil, I mean you, Satan. Satan, yes, because you've always protected him from me. Uh, let me at him and he will not love you anymore. God, okay, under my conditions, then like 38 chapters of activity happen, and at the end, we end with Job saying, God is God, and I am not. So this is a place in scripture where we see Satan asking for permission to harass someone, and God saying, mm, okay, there's one account. There is another account that we see Jesus do something similar, and that's with Peter, his buddy Peter. So in Luke 22, it says this, Simon, Simon, which is another name for Peter, um, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. That is so intense. If your translation says, has asked to sift you, and I've asked to pray for you, that's not inaccurate. It's just, oh, sorry. I even didn't wear big earrings. This whole thing's falling off. Arr. Okay, here we go. Um, that first you is plural. So Jesus is saying, he's asked to sift all y'all, okay? But I'm praying for you, Peter, that your faith would stand. So, and Jesus voluntarily also, like, went into the, to the temptation time in the wilderness. Like, we see God choosing when and how to engage with Satan under God's conditions. This is another place where that happens. So what in the world can we take from Paul saying this? So I think we should look and see what Peter said about this later on in his life. Because Peter was, was the guy they're talking about, and he actually addresses this specifically later on in his life. After the sifting, after it all plays out, this is what Peter has to say. Stay alert and watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Peter was not strong in his faith in his round of sifting, for those of you who do not know that. 
Remember that your family of brothers and sisters all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kingdom, God called you to share in his eternal glory. That sounds great. By means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore support and strengthen you and he will place you on a firm foundation all power to him forever a freaking men peter had lived it y'all these words matter they hold weight peter had lived this he had denied and betrayed jesus in a way that none of us probably will ever be able to understand but we all can understand in our own shame tornadoes where we feel like we have disqualified ourselves and you just want to curl up in a ball and your insides are like oh because we have failed. We have failed and we have suffered because of it. So we see this, but it seems to me that Peter is like, oh, because of that suffering, the Lord put me on this firm foundation. I am now planting churches. I did go back, I did it. I went back and strengthened my brothers. I did it. Satan sifted me, it was terrible, but it, I did it through the power of Jesus. So we have to see that. So these are the takeaways I can take as we think about if and how turning over to Satan, what that could possibly mean. I think we can take away that there is an enemy, okay? There is an enemy. We can also take away that that enemy is not a person of this world, and therefore we cannot combat said enemy with weapons of this world. Second Corinthians 10 has more to say about that if you'd like to look at that more. There is an enemy. That enemy is not a person. If, the, if you are a follower of Jesus, and you don't have to be to come to church here, just so you know. But if you have decided and opted into that way of life, I need you to know that you have opted into never being able to hate someone ever again. So if you're considering following Jesus, you need to know that before you say yes. If you wanna make an informed decision, you do not get to hate people. Does Jesus walk with us? Is he patient with us as we work that out with fear and trembling? Of course, but it's not an option. I actually don't get to fill in the blank with names here and be like, ha ha ha, hate you, Satan, go get him. <laughs> I just don't get to do it. It's, it's not an option for followers of the way because the way of Jesus is not that, which is a bummer for me also because I, I just want to hate people sometimes. I just think it will be better for me and it's not. It's like drinking poison, hoping someone else dies. It doesn't work. You don't get to do it. And the last thing I would say, we see there is an enemy. That enemy is not a person. Um, God is the ultimate authority, period. So as much as you want to think that darkness has some kind of power, that there is evil, that this world's going to hell in a handbasket because darkness is so powerful, you are mistaken. God is the ultimate authority in every encounter we see, God giving permission and, and conditions to the way that our enemy gets to behave, which is problematic for us when we think about why doesn't he stop it all. James has some stuff to say about that. That is a different sermon, okay? I also need you to know that there is an enemy is that person, the enemy is not a person, so we cannot fight it with weapons of this world. God is the ultimate authority, and it seems to me that suffering is necessary, y'all. Suffering just seems to be necessary. There are a lot of scriptures to back that up. James would say it's what makes us mature and complete, not lacking anything. Your trials, your suffering, your pain, and many scriptures talk to that, but we know God is, and we also know God is capable of just like taking people to heaven without anything. Like, there's all of this stuff, but what we need to do is we need to look at Jesus' life. There's a lot of scriptures that back it up, but the reality is Jesus' life is actually what tells us that the most because Jesus was born he, as a baby. He lived, he breathed, he healed, he cried, he mourned, he celebrated, he died. 
and then he came back to life. God is capable of getting us to him without death. Did you know that? Two places in scripture, this guy named Enoch in Genesis, he just walked with God and then was no more. He teleported to heaven. Just poof, gone, yeah. Then Elijah, which is my preferred method, taken up in a chariot of fire, <laughs> hanging out with his buddy, and all of a sudden he's like, well, that's my ride, got a fire Uber, here we go. And he just hops in the chariot of fire and he zooms off to whatever, wherever he went, but he did not die, y'all. So if God is capable of doing this whole thing, transition without death, why did Jesus die? Well, he died to show us the way to live. Death is just a part of life. And we see that in our ruler, we see that in our king, we see that in our servant, and so we know it's gonna be a part of our lives. Suffering is necessary. You get to decide if it transforms you, but it is necessary. So handing him over to Satan, that's a, the origin of our suffering comes in many, from many places. You guys, we do some silly things, and some of our suffering is our fault. Can we just get an amen? Can I get an amen? Like, we're not all victims here, okay? We do some bonehead stuff. Amen. Some stuff happens to us, but suffering is universal. Suffering is universal. So, I'm going to find my place. Oh, yep. The origin of suffering does come in many forms, but Peter said God uses us to restore support and strengthen us and place us on a firm foundation. You wanna be on a firm foundation, then you will have to suffer. So if we read chapter two, verses five and six again, it says this, for there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. So if you are still suffering, I'm sorry. If your suffering is seeming to linger day after day, year after year, I am sorry. But I do know that our God does stuff at just the right time. So 2, 1, verse 2, chapter 2, verse 1. Paul has just talked about turning people over to Satan, super intense, and then says this. There were not chapters and letters. I don't know if you've ever written an email and put chapters on it. We, no, we don't. This is what we did so we could study it. Immediately following, we miss it, because immediately following, I turned you over to Satan. He says, I urge you then, because of them, to pray for all people. Who was he talking about? Alexander and Hymenius. He was talking about those people. You know why? Because I think Paul saw himself in them. Paul saw himself in them. It's that whole you spot it, you got it thing. Those people that super annoy you are probably a lot like you. Like you spot, like he's like, oh my gosh, I, I was killing people in the church I am now trying to plant. In verse 16, right before this, Paul says this, God have mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. I am confident that Paul saw himself in these men, and he knew if God can do it in me, he can do it in them, so you better pray for them. But if you had three dogs in a yard, and they were playing, and it was wonderful, and one of the dogs started attacking the other two dogs, would you just ask the dogs to get better boundaries and be like, well, I really hope they learn how to like cloud in towns in this situation and we can all get along. No, you remove the dog. I'm sorry, you don't get to stay here if you're going to bite people. That's just called a natural consequence to your behavior. 
Paul is removing these men for the protection of the church, but he is not condemning them to anything other than restoration because it happened to him. He knows it can happen for others. So, we are, so here's the thing, though. Can I protect myself? Because I lead a lot of people, and I have two boys, and you better believe, like, do, you better believe I'm going to protect my kids if I can, my young life leaders if I can, as much as it depends on me. So can I protect myself and those I love and lead from folks who are spinning people up into unhelpful and unholy teachings or bad behavior? Of course. But I also must pray for them. I cannot hate them. I have to, have to, have to, as a follower of Jesus, um, understand that that experience is not for me to condemn, but for me to understand, where's the plank in my own eye? Well, I'm real quick to point out a speck, but the scriptures are very clear. Anytime you're trying to point out something else than someone else, you need to take that to the Lord and say, what are you trying to show me about me? That is the way of Jesus, and that's what Paul is doing in this passage, because um, he wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. And that understanding is a little bit bigger of a word. There it is. These are the words we're going through. So that's the whole thing. Satan. Cool. Right? Check. Satan. Okay. He is asking, Paul is asking Timothy to remember the words spoken about him so he might help him fight well in the Lord's battle so he can cling to his faith. And we are going to do that here today. We are going to do that today. We are going to have an experience as a church about how God has moved, and we are going to be changed, and it's going to be amazing, okay? Are we, who's, who wants to come with me? You want to do that? Yeah, if you say, you can't say no, you, you know, like, what are you talking about? It's like, get it. If you say no, just don't say it out loud, all right? Like, I did not come for that. God wants un everyone to, uh, to be saved and to understand the truth from verse 2, 4, um, uh, understand is not just knowledge. That word understand does not mean, we're Westerners, we're great at this. We're great at just wanting facts. Just give me information, and that's all I really want. But that's not the word here. Understanding is like this deep intuition, perception, recognition. It's deeper than our thoughts. It's deeper than our facts. That's what understand means. Because um, I know a lot of facts. Yes, I know, sugar is a drug. A lot of studies, a lot of data, a lot of podcasts trying to get me to quit eating sugar because of the data and the facts. I'm sorry, it tastes good, whatever. Those facts have no effect on my life. Oh, caffeine is a drug, ooh. What if I put sugar in my coffee, two drugs make a positive, does that work? Two negatives make a positive, two drugs together, no drugs, I don't know, that's what I'm, I have a lot of facts in my mind about those two things and they do not affect my behavior whatsoever because that's not how humans work. We work through experience. God became a body because we also have bodies, and we need to know that it's not a knowledge-based faith, it's an experiential faith, and we're gonna experience something together, friends. Woo! Okay. We already did this once, and so I know it's gonna be good, so I'm not, I know I'm not making false promises, so I was like, we've done this already, and I'm like, yeah, it's gonna happen. Um, I have friends who've experienced God, and I'm, you are lucky to get to meet them today. So, uh, Bill, you're up first. Let's go. Rock and roll. This is my friend Bill. Everybody clap for Bill as he comes to the stage. Are you ready to experience Thank something? Thank you, Blender Jody. What? Okay. First of all, he just called me Blender Jody. And I just want to explain to you something about Bill and I's friendship. Bill and I met after I spoke a while ago, like six months ago, and he had some feedback for me. Okay? 
he had some feedback. And I was tired. There's this adrenaline rush thing that comes from speaking, and then it starts to go away. And he's like, this is, this is and I, he, he goes, you take all of your ideas. We had never spoken before this moment. It was our first conversation. You take all of your ideas and your thoughts, and then you put them in a blender, and I cannot taste the flavor of anything you're trying to say. <laughs> Which is a is visceral and a beautiful analogy. And in the moment, I was a touch offended. <laughs> so I'm sitting there thinking, who's this guy? And then, ever so quietly, the Lord whispered in my ear, this thought just flashed in my mind and said, Jody, he's not wrong. And then I laughed out loud and I was like, yeah. And that was the start of our friendship. So thank you for reminding me to tell that story. <laughs> Blender, it's like that song, one over my tender, hard in a blender, watch it spin round to a beautiful oblivion. Yeah, okay. All right, Bill, how did you end up at Two Rivers? I wound up at Two Rivers on their fifth day, uh, their fifth uh, Sunday outreach of every month. They came to where I was living, and I was invited to the, the church here, and I came here, and I started to find some things, and I've been here ever since. Woohoo! All right. Scattered Sundays, it matters, people. Um, can you tell us about how God has spoke to you and what he's done in your life, specifically the reading thing? Yeah, God has spoke to me through, through reading. I was in a place in my life to where I was uh, put in a situation to where I had nothing but the Bible. And in my lifetime, I spent in special education and wasn't very well educated, barely barely knew how to read, and could not get through anything. And so I spent one year of my life with God alone. And all I had was nothing but the Bible to read. And God taught me how to read through the Bible. And through the Bible, I have learned all kinds of things and all kinds of stuff. So my thing is, you have to Pay attention to the reading. It is very important. The biggest gift I've ever found in my life. Amen. I was just realizing during... Yes, that's, you should absolutely clap for that. How, that was 10 years ago, because you're 68 now. You were yes. 58 when, you learned how, when God taught you how to read. I was 58 when I learned how to read, and I'm 57 now. 68? Yeah, 58, and I'm 67 now. I was just realizing the 10-year anniversary of your church is also your 10-year anniversary of this story when I was doing the announcement, so we can... Oh, cool. Cool. <laughs> um, can you tell us how God has spoke to you, specifically the story about the lamp post? Yes. When I came out of that one-year deal that I was in with one year of God, uh, I absolutely for the things that went on in my life. Never thought I was going to be employed again the rest of my life for things that went on. You know, I had some tragic things going on. I was able to finally find a job that a 12-year-old kid could do, and I was very grateful and happy about it. It was working in an RV park. So the first day I showed up to work, uh, I met my foreman, and we talked a little bit and found out he is a believer in God like I am and very inspiring. So we 
for the three years I was with him, we built a pretty good uh, friendship, though. And he says, okay, Bill, today your job is these lampposts out here. So he gave me a ladder, a paintbrush, and a can of red steam. And he says, I want you to go through the whole park here, Bill, and I want you to paint every light post you see red. And I said, okay. And I was just happy to go to work and have something to do. So I got to painting all these light posts throughout the whole park, content and happy about it. And then all of a sudden, I finally came to this one light post that had never been painted before. It was old and gray, and this ain't my way of thinking. And I said, what is this old and gray all about? And this ain't my way of thinking. And God said, there will be many gray spots in your life, Bill. And he was right. I found that out. And so I said, okay, God, thank you. Then I had to crawl up along the happy ladder to put some more paint on. And as I had to crawl up the ladder, I had to look up to see where I was going. And above me was the light. Not my way of thinking again. And I am the light, Bill. Okay, thank you, God. Thank you. And then... I had to reach down into the bucket of red stain to put more paint on there, and my blood covers it all. It was the first time I ever heard from God in my life. And I have never forgot it, and I've been on fire ever since. Amen. Thank you, Bill. Um, why... I know, everything you said, you just want to clap. You're like, yes, amen, clap, clap, clap. You can clap. There's a freedom to clap in this space. Why, why do you keep following Jesus? I keep following Jesus because he had taught me how to read. He talks to me all the time, and he is very good about talking to me, and I have to keep following what I find that puts my heart on fire. Amen, amen. So what, I know part of your story has been that you were really angry at God. Like really angry for a long, 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 long time. Um, if there's someone here today that potentially that's where they're at, um, what advice would you give them? I was very angry with God for a lot of years. Not days, but years. And what finally opened up to me is I one day finally looked up and I said, I am not mad at you no more, God. I am not mad. When I stopped being mad at God, a whole can of worms opened up and it's been a whole new world for me. So my thing is, that's how I got here. Mm -hmm. Any advice for someone who might be mad today? Yes, my advice for anybody that is mad and having anger and problems in their life is you better find that doggone mountain that you are having trouble with and speak to it and ask God to remove it. Because if you don't ask God to remove that mountain for you 
and work at it and believe it and have faith because that's what this is about, faith. You will be empty-handed. Get yourself a sponsor. Not quite a sponsor, but a mentor. Other people and work with him. Thank you, Bill. Anything else? I believe that's pretty much it. Thank you, <laughs> Leonard Jody. Yeah, there was one other thing that I do want to share about Jody that's really helped me quite a bit in my life. When I've had some struggles and some things going on, I've always talked to Jody, and Jody has always gave me inspirational scriptures to use to get through my loopholes in life. Mm. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> All right. That was great, but we're not done. I have another friend. His name is Julian. Julian, come on to the stage. There you go, sir. Thank you. Julian, tell us a little bit about yourself. So, for those that do not know me, um, I'm going to say this first. I identify as a person with a disability. You may not be able to see that. So, I have a free dis diagnosis. I have ADHD, a learning disability and this other one called leukodystrophy. Um, I, I was born in Hong Kong, so quite far away, but I've been dealing with um, parents and other stuff. Um, but I've had doctors say that you should not be alive right now. Like, they would always tell you that. I'm like, oh, so annoying. <laughs> That's a bummer thing to hear from a doctor. I will agree. <laughs> It's no fun, but I keep proving them wrong. Like it, it, it's, mm -hmm. But it's just cool. But yeah. So great, glad you're here. What, could, um, what is it like for you to come to church? All right, um, I've gone to many churches and many things for different reasons. Um, but anyway, my reality of church is I come for people, the worship. Learn, um, learn, uh, learning through sermon. I don't always read the Bible, but that's my way of getting the Bible. But still, I also attempt doing things. But the other thing is also, within the, the community of Christ are the people that have prayed for me and also been part of my life and been part of that story. Um, the other thing is usually at church or whatever, depending on what it is, if there was a program or something, or a pen. I've destroyed multiple pens. <laughs> so if you find a pen broken, you know I'm here. <laughs> and that's because they're like, you just don't like pens, or why I is that? I just play with them. It's just like a fidget toy. Yep, because it helps you focus. Yeah, yep. or I have to use my phone or something. Yep. Not intentional at all. Right. So if you ever catch me on my phone, I'm not trying, I, I could still listen. And I've had people go, can you remember the sermon? I'm like, I'll tell you the sermon. Yes. Okay, good. Talk to me about your shirt. Okay. This is what disability looks like. The reason why I wear it, and I wish I could have more shirts than this. This is only one. Dang it. <laughs> um, uh, whenever I wear out the shirt, we'll have to figure out a new solution. I know some people can make some shirts. Yeah. But anyway, um, a lot of people don't realize there are people with disabilities 
within the Bible, and it's a good 80% of people in the Bible are people with disabilities. We forget that. Mm -hmm. And it's both mental, physical, cognitive, spiritual disabilities. You can have a variety of different things. And I think we forget that. And a lot of you guys don't realize that you might have a disability either when you're born or all the way up to when you're about to die. You know, like you never know. And I think we forget that. And um, my reality of being in church, the, both good and bad, is this. You'll have to come and find me after I say this, uh, if you ever want to learn more. I, this is something I, I've been wrestling with, the five stages of inclusion, and just how that affects, the, there's different stages of how people are included in, into our community, both spiritually and physically within our reality. There's some are forced, some are open arms. You can just go from different realities of that. So I struggle trying to find, a church home that allows that. And sometimes it's like, okay, you're pastor's kid or whatever, or missionary's kid. And then you're like, oh, dang it, you can't really talk your mind. Or you can, but just like, it sort of gets rendered tough, you know? Like, mm -hmm. so it's sort of, that's what I've struggled with in my mm -hmm. own life is just trying to find a community. Yep. Can I show them what you sent me, texted yes. me the other week? Down is forward. Beep, boop. 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 There it is. Okay, there you go. So, uh, yeah, Julian sent this to me and said, you can explain it. Read it. So, people with disabilities do not need to be fixed, but they need to be accepted for who they are. This is something that really bugs me. <laughs> you will hear it from me. But it's, it's for a good reason. Because it's so true within the spiritual world, but also within the worldly world that we live in. We always look at people having babies and whatever it is and having perfect people and perfect beings. But you don't realize that people with disabilities and other people that have differences are part of that community and fabric. And I jokingly say, when you have everybody here, it's a little piece of heaven. Like whenever I, um, I would attend a camp back in Kansas City called Camp Barnabas great place. Every every time I would go down there, it's like, I'm going back to my little place of heaven. You know, people running around, having fun, people with disabilities, people that are normal, helping people with disabilities within that life, living life on life. It's just a reality. Like, even you may not realize how many people right beside you are different. Mm -hmm. You might, let's say, Somebody you may not know has a physical disability or has cancer or a debilitating health issue. Like, I am grateful for the people that have prayed for me and prayed for who I am because that's, without those prayers, I would have not been here. Mm -hmm. But there's a reason because people consistently saw something in me and said, all right, you should do this or you should go and figure out something. So it's just by grace, people have led me, like, not in a prayer sense of God finding me. Mm -hmm. It's just saying yes and just going, but still through those struggles, still figuring out what's next. Yep. And that's okay. 
Totally. What is, in closing, what is one thing you want people to know about what it's like to be you? Oh, man. I can be so much fun, but I can also be really annoying, too. <laughs> in a good way. But Feels like um, a universal truth. <laughs> but anyway, um, I think my biggest thing that I want people to know is how often have you seen a person with a disability or any ability come up to stand at the pulpit or be part of a church or be part of a community and being included into that community until you, if you've accepted me, you've accepted all the other people, <coughs> unfortunately. But the thing is, <laughs> why don't we do it? <sighs> but I, I think the biggest reality is um, there are people that are friends and community that want to be part of this church or any church. But the thing is, until you invite them, they do not know what God is and how God loves them. I'm, I'm lucky because I had that opportunity and I was born into it. Mm -hmm. But there are people that are right now, they, like if you got to come over to my apartment and also, by the way, I also drive. That's the other story. But um, you came into my apartment. You would think my apartment's a hot mess. <laughs> but I know where everything is, what I need to do, and where to go, and how, how that works. But I need, like, there are people with disabilities that need support. But there's also financial, physical, friendship, physical needs that need to be needed. But until we accept them for who they are and advocate for those things that they need, it is very difficult until that happens. Like for Bill, until God intervened, he didn't know how to read. You know, yep. until that opportunity is provided, how do you have that opportunity? So you don't know until somebody has that opportunity. And I think this is why I'm here today. I'm, this is why I'm here at Two Rivers, mm -hmm. is because I felt the grace of God in this place. But now it's, what do, I, what do we do next beyond that? Amen. Thank you, Julian. Julian, everybody. Okay. Okay. We came to play this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Here's something, so here's what you need to know. You might be thinking, oh yeah, Jody, she's like a professional Christian, so she has to talk to people who are different than her. Nope, I don't, actually. Um, and a lot of Christians don't. Bill came up to me and told me I was a blender, which is not, not true. Julian came to me through Sarah West because he inserted himself into community and was asking questions, and because of my profession, she introduced us. I did, not, I did not find or seek any of this out. There's nothing special about me. There's nothing different about me. I just come and I show up. Church is one place where we can come and show up and open our eyes and just listen. So I did not do anything. This happened to me. I was gifted with the friendship of Julie and Bill of nothing of my own accord other than just knowing and recognizing in a moment when the Lord is speaking to you. You had overalls on that day with, through a man in overalls you just met. That's all we got to do. It is that simple. It is that simple. Paul is wanting um, us to remember the prophetic words that were, that were spoken over us. You just heard some from our friends. I need you to know, friends, that it costs Julian and Bill a lot more to be in this room than it does most of us. My friend and I over there, 
I'm glad she's here, but we're hoping that she, yeah, I'm trying to give you a shout out, but you are not paying attention to me right now. But I know your parents want you to be quiet, so that's also good. It's hard to say, right? <laughs> Hi, Naya. <laughs> yes, okay. So it costs them more to be here because they don't know what you're thinking about them. They don't, I fit in great. I know what clothes to wear. I know how to talk the talk. I know all the social contracts that we've made. I know what to do. I don't have, you know, it's easy for me to fit in here. It costs them a lot to show up, but we need them to be able to show up. And we are going to be a community that is that way. We are going to be a community that is going to be okay with people showing up who don't look like us. And we all want it, but we don't know how to get there. Right? And what we need to do is first needs to start inside of you. Today, you need to cling to your own faith. You need to remember the prophetic words that have been spoken over you so you can fight the battles that you are facing today. You've heard about some battles. You've heard about how the Lord moves and speaks. When I was, like 12 years ago, I was sitting in a chair and I was in a, I was in a really hard, lonely, painful place and I was, I was angry. I was frustrated. I was watching I was just mad, like, God, I see you working in other people's lives, but why won't you show up for me? Why won't you show up for me? Great, salvation for the world, whippity freaking do. I don't care, I need you in my life. And the Lord gave me an image and a prophetic word over me, and it's like I was standing in front of a giant canvas, and there is paint being splattered all over this canvas, and it's a beautiful masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece, this poem, his work of art, and I'm watching, and I see you all around me, but where are you in my life? And he said, sweet girl. If you're standing in front of this canvas right now and you're seeing this paint go everywhere, what do you think your back looks like? You can't see it, but it is covered. It is covered in my work. You are marked and hidden in me. You can't see it, but it's happening. And you know why it's happening? You know it's happening on you if you see it around you. So don't be like, oh, it's in them and not me. Because of them, it's happening in you. Because of what you see around you, it's happening in you. You can't see it, but you are covered in my love, in my story, in my redemption. And though people might be praying for you, Jody, to be handed over to Satan, I will not let this suffering end in anything but you being supported and restored and set on a firm foundation. Because that is who I am and that is what I do. And so today, this is what I want. I want you to remember your own prophetic words spoken over you to face the battle that you're facing so you can cling to your own faith. What is it? Whatever popped into your head when I said that, tell someone. If nothing popped into your head, ask someone. Let's encourage one another in this way. Let's just remember the prophetic words that were spoken about you. May they help you fight the Lord's battles so you can cling to your faith. I urge you then to pray for all people. Because God our Savior, he who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. So let's be encouraged and have an experience of God's goodness so we can live lives of dignity and peace. So worship team, you can come on up and I'm gonna pray over us. This is a gift for you to receive. Our friends have offered themselves for you. Let's offer ourselves to one another. We're gonna have folks up here to pray for you, but you might not need prayer. Some of you might just need to come up and tell your story. Or you might need to come up and say, do you have a story? Because I can't see anything. I'm staring at this wall and I can't see it but that's why we are a we.
So Lord, I'm going to pray over us. So church, let's remember words spoken about us in our church family. And let these words help us fight well in the battles we face. Let's cling to our faith in Christ Jesus, praying for all people. Because God, our Savior, wants everyone to be saved and to understand with a deep, knowing intuition the truth. Through the reality of a lamppost, through the prayers of the faithful, and a dream of advocacy planted in my friend Julian. There is nothing we are too old to learn. Lord, would you teach us? And I am not exaggerating, friends. I'm just telling you the truth. Amen.